All right, I got a treat for you this morning, or whenever you start up this little dog and pony show that I do. Um, got something to kind of lull you out of the Memorial Day hangover, because it is Tuesday morning, uh, by my count, but uh, you'll probably think it's Monday morning, which I do. But uh, I'm recording this the night before, so um, anyway, I've got a really cool subject that I wanted to kind of, I don't know, I was kind of inspired the last couple of days, just reading up about these different people that do these crazy things and... Uh, like, for example, like, Teddy Roosevelt. Like, this guy was such a badass outdoorsman that uh, he, when he was running for his third term as president and didn't win, he wanted to, uh, well, he had some free time on his hands. So he wanted to go discover um, a new tributary to... Uh, the Amazon that fed into the Amazon, I believe. I believe. And so, let's see, how old was he? Would he have been? Let's see. How old was Teddy Roosevelt when he went to the Amazon because this trip almost killed him so he was 55 the burly 55 year old journeyed he struck out on a treacherous expedition to navigate an unmapped river in the Amazon so he was um, again this goes without saying he was never a fan of idle vacations whether it was ranching in the Dakotas, cougar hunting in Arizona, or going on a year-long safari in Africa, his travels had always involved hardship and risk, two of the key components of what he once famously termed the strenuous life. Still, none of Roosevelt's previous adventures could compare to the one he attempted in 1913, despite having little experience in the jungle. The burly 55-year-old journeyed to Brazil and set out on a trip down an uncharted tributary of Amazon. Um, the mysterious Rio da Vida, or River of Doubt. But what was cool about it was, um, I'll kind of compress it for you. I'll give you the abridged version, but, um, he had all his gear. He took all this gear and it was, you know, it was kind of a last hurrah. Okay. Kind of a fallout maybe from losing the third presidential election. I mean, this is a guy that like, started the national park system uh you know you see pictures of him in yosemite i mean he's legit so he gets all this expensive equipment and he goes down to the amazon and he gets himself um a tracker uh or a guide rather and it's an amazonian guide and it's evidently the lewis and clark of brazilian uh, amazonian guides this guy is 
the ship, right? So, um, let's see, how long was he down there? It's just, it was just an incredible story. Um, his son was with him. Something like 23. Can you, I mean, can you imagine me at 23 doing this shit? Mm, several men were struck down by tropical illnesses. I mean, the bugs were just everywhere, just constantly. Like, I watched a, a documentary about this, and, like, one of the vocal things that he was, well, one of the things he was mainly vocal about was just the constant bugs. This is gigantic. I mean, you can imagine, like, you know, mosquitoes the size of hummingbirds. Just constantly, you know, things just traipsing around your tent, like, like gnarly shit, like gnarly shit. Um, where did I just hear a story similar to that? Um, camping story. I, mean, I was when I I did some camping in Australia, and we went to we went at some park, and at night you could see the silhouettes of the possums that are running around your tent all night because they're nocturnal and they're marsupials so they're everywhere and they're fucking ferocious but that was kind of unnerving but I couldn't imagine like I mean yeah Australia I guess you know it's got its fair share of crazy ass flora and fauna that'll fucking kill you you know you step in a funnel spider in their web, you're done. Um, the brown, the brown recluse is that a snake that was out there? I don't like. I mean, they just got they got like the top five most poisonous, venomous, badass fucking snakes that'll you know in the world. And but uh, so yeah, he's in this jungle and he gets malaria. He's he, he even like he got so sick. That um, he told him to go. I mean, the st- all the shit they brought down, right? Like they, for some reason, they couldn't keep it with them. For I can't remember what the deal was. Like it was just too much. It was just like big treasure, like big chests, big like antique style chests full of just everything. You know, I mean, you can imagine. This is Teddy Roosevelt. I mean, I mean, he's not going out there with just his pocket knife. So he's gonna bring all his gear right and the guide said nah you don't need any of that but he had like some badass like handmade canoes and shit tossed it all come to find out they needed a lot of that shit particularly canoes so what they did because um i guess the the water you know there was a lot of uh, what do you call that when you hit you you run out of a waterway so you got to carry the boat and your shit from the end of the current waterway to across the land where the next portion of it begins again and they did this just days in and days out and uh, they had to get these uh, they ended up running into some indigenous people in there that had these handmade they they hauled out and were hand carved uh, canoes that they used but they were so thin that they were really taken in water a lot as they use these things so it was just crazy anyway so <clears throat> he got so sick that he told him just to go on without him, like he just let him let him go and they wouldn't do it 
and uh, he made it though. And they found this this tributary, this river, and I think he ended up naming it after himself, the Rio de Roosevelt. So there's like a Roosevelt River down in the Amazon basin somewhere. But um, this dude's 55 years old though, so <clears throat> just, um, you know he probably didn't work out a lot. He was just like that, maybe a John Daly type. You know, you can just picture him being like a real raw, just manly man, you know. Of course. Duh. But, um, but what's also cool, I like, is the decadence of how he presented himself. Like, he showed up with all this gear. Like, and it wasn't in some, like, you know, some way, like, somebody that doesn't know about you know, exploring or hiking or, you know, camping, like, and they're showing up with, like, you know, stereos and shit like that. No, this is, like, probably some badass gear telescopes and scientific equipment, maybe. Um, you know, he probably put together some kind of... He put... He, he probably probably found some people to finance it, too, and he put them together, you know, some some scientific institute you know like woods hole on the east coast um i mean that isn't the case i'm just making that up but you can imagine like all this money that's involved in this venture and so you show up with all this gear and you're ready to conquer the world and you can but and ultimately he did need that he is very it was very prophetic but probably haphazardly prophetic because he, that's just who he was but this guide this Lewis and Clark of of the Amazon thought otherwise and uh, it anyway I mean that's what a lot of those adventures are like um Shackleton you know the great Ernest Shackleton got his boat trapped in ice and um had to like <laughs> take a rowboat to across the uh, what the hell is that straight down there? Drake's Drake's Pass, Drake's Passage, like the gnarliest fucking shit ever, and then made it to like some island, some island on the south southern tip of of uh, South America, Patagonia, and just ran into some dude who was working in a, a shack up there. Like, I mean, shit usually goes. There's very few times when things really go as planned, you know, and that's probably what makes the journey itself of course i mean we look we look at it in that in that you know from that arm's length perspective it's easy to say sure they're you know that's what i would have done or whatever but you know there's there's like this guy colin o'grady too like when you look up like lists of explorers like his name will usually be up there around these other names and he's kind of this guy and I don't like to talk bad about people but he's like one of these guys that like he boasted and wrote a book about being the first to make it to the southern uh magnetic the magnetic south pole uh unassisted um but you know he had all these like special specially made like energy bars that were like made in a lab that got you know ge geared specifically for you know how deep 
uh, a footprint in the snow he was going to make as he was pulling his sled, which was calculated to a perfect 83.7 uh, kilograms each time it was packed. And he um, had all the right, you know, stuff, all the right gear. And um, that takes a little bit of the flavor out of it. Like, that's why the decadence is cool. That's why people like James Bond are cool. Like, when I was growing up, I, w- I watched every friggin' James Bond movie that came out. And there was some kind of, maybe it was like an underlying, I don't know. There's just something cool about it. Like, he wanted to be a spy, but, like, he was more than a spy. He was, like, this decadent, crazy, you know, most interesting man in the world vibe, badass skier, you know, phenomenal lover, great, you know, I mean, the most talented, like, sports car driver, uh... He knew how to fly planes. He knew how to like commandeer hang gliders in a tuxedo. I mean, that's the that's cool shit. Like when you just pull up your badass car onto the side of the you know forest there and just throw your your gear out there. It's, it's, you know, go camping in a tuxedo. Go go skeet shooting in a tuxedo. I think he did that in one of those like Moonraker. Uh, Roger Moore. Oh, these geese. So. Yeah, I think that's kind of cool. Um, people like that, people, uh, you know, that mm, have a foot in each world, maybe, you know, like that high-line lifestyle, not not necessarily a pursuit for it, but you just happen to function sometimes in those settings. But then the flip side, you could be in the middle of some you know, rainforest somewhere. In there. Kind of like David Mayer de Rothschild. I think that's how you say his name. That dude's pretty good. He's a Rothschild. Like, he's an heir to the Rothschild fortune, which is, like, you know, one of the controlling interests of the monetary system as we know it. And he's... Uh, but he's the only one that isn't, like, uh, evil. He actually is uh, into sustaining... Um, renewable sustainable renewable resources and he uh, for example like he built a an actual ship like not a ship but like a sailboat like a big giant catamaran style sailboat out of plastic bottles and he sailed it out of san francisco bay across the entire pacific to uh, an area in the center of the pacific called garbage island where all this waste kind of culminates and then just kind of probably map it out. He had some scientists with him and shit like that. But that's what you do when you're badass. And he's like, he looks like that guy. He's tall. He's got a beard, you know. And he just kind of does his own thing. And, you know, one minute he'll be like in Venice Beach just uh, kicking it with some documentary filmmaker. And, you know, making a lunch uh, date with some girl. And then had to cancel because a day later he uh, is in fact in some Amazonian rainforest somewhere that just she just you know spontaneous spontaneously decided to go those people are fascinating um but um Francis Malman he's fascinating he's a, he's a chef but he's like this outdoorsy like I on his Instagram, if you go to Francis Malman's Instagram, um, he's, uh, oddly enough, he's an Argentinian chef. He's 
world famous. Uh, he's had Michelin starred restaurants, which what, say what you want about the Michelin star system. I mean, they don't give those away. And uh, despite how political and all that bullshit, but this guy's the real deal. Like he, um, you know, he aced his uh, exams in culinary school by with nothing but a giant like truckload of potatoes. And he lives in uh, basically in Patagonia somewhere, like you, where you have to like. You know, it's a day's journey by train. Then when you run out of land, you take a seaplane and then you get to an island and then, um, you know, you got to hike over some pass or some shit. And then he lives in this strange little cabin and he just drinks wine. And then has he, uh, he's got a, uh, he just had a young child uh, with a woman, but he's not monogamous, n- nor is she. And then um, you'll see him, so when he leaves his little stretch of, you know, backwoods Patagonia to go into, like, real city life, you'll, you'll usually find him in, like, Paris. And he'll be looking like some kind of weird Argentinian shaman, but he'd be out in the street setting up these uh, uh, ornate and these, um, deta- these really just uh, flamboyant displays of, like, fruit hanging by ropes and a big giant and fire his thing is fire so he's always got this big giant fire a big bonfire and he's just cooking everything straight like he'll just throw it straight in the fire and and they'll be dangling this whatever fruit or meats or hanging over but it's all outdoors like it's just like some it's like a pop-up restaurant of sorts like an outdoor pop-up restaurant it looks like he just kind of wanders the earth and setting up these crazy displays and he's got like this kind of band of young apprentices that uh you know go with him and each one's got a duty for prep or building the fire getting the coals you know prepping the whatever's hanging from these ropes and stuff but it just uh, he'll be doing it like in some some you know on some trail in the forest or snow or by the beach or just in the most bizarre places um you know, literally, like on 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 the beach, you know, the wind's just whipping away, and and he's just got cracking red wine bottles and uh, cracking those open and just roasting a bunch of like pineapples and shit. It's just, but uh, I don't know. They just those people are just, you know, the world is their living room, is what it really amounts to. Um, I mean, did we ever see James Bond's apartment? Or his house. He wouldn't even have a house. This guy wouldn't buy a house. He'd have an apartment. But did we ever see it? No. Because it didn't matter. Because he was somewhere in Switzerland. On the side of like the Matterhorn. um, Fighting some dude with like. Literally. Like barbed wire for teeth. And fucking just. um, And then he skis to safety. um, And then he. uh, Ends up in a hot tub. Uh down at the resort with um, the woman and so yeah so those are the people that just fascinate me um, but there's a it's, a it's a kind of a cross between this decadence and this ruggedness um, just a just a, a, a 
you know, you, you see, you, you recognize it when you see it too. People in the faces of people like Teddy Roosevelt, or I mean, James Bond doesn't exist, but um, but I mean, look at the people that played him. Sean Connery. I mean, he was a he he drove a milk truck. He was a working class guy, who just kind of like fit the bill. Uh, Roger Moore, a little more refined. Uh, you know, I started watching Daniel. Uh, what's his name? Uh, the the guy's been playing him forever. Uh, and that guy's a badass. Like he's, per- but that's more like modern day speed. Like he's fucking doing jujitsu now and shit like that. Like Roger Moore and Sean Connery never did any jujitsu, but he's up there like fucking splitting, you know, boards with his feet and knocking three guys out with his left toe and you know and he's wearing like one of those white suits that just looks better as it gets dirtier but but uh yeah I can even identify with him you know wherever I'm at someone's trying to fuck me up um but it also might be my personality personality disorder that accounts for that that might not be the case entirely but I don't know um well, hopefully this took your mind off the raging hangover that you're um, trying to dig your way out of. And uh, it is Tuesday, so that, that's got to be refreshing to know because I'll bet you think it's Monday. Because I thought it was Monday. But, uh, yeah, I won't, um, I won't drag this out any longer than I have to. Um, yeah, just maybe it's something that'll help you kind of begin your day to not get so entrenched maybe into this mind-numbing groove that you've fallen back into uh, after three days of just complete and utter debauchery and deliberate insanity trips. Um, Use both sides of your brain. Um, I just read this thing, I got to tell you, um, about this dude who the longest, he was the longest, um, trust me, this is going somewhere. He was the longest guy stuck on a, uh, like a raft at sea, um, for, uh, it was like 133 days. And his name is, um, it was a, uh, like an Asian name, like Poon Lim. That's what it was. A Chinese guy. Longest anyone ever survived a shipwrecked raft was 133 days. Um, but he survived the ordeal by fishing, drinking bird blood, and killing a shark with a jug of water. Which, I think there's more to that story. I don't get that. But anyway, it was like John Wick. He was like John Wick just stranded at sea. But 130, 133 days. And where am I going with this? I've been doing this fucking Duolingo trying to learn French again. And I'm at 138 days. And every fucking day is a fucking grind, and it uh, doesn't, you know, it, it, it's, it's a bit competitive. It's a good learning system, but uh, every day is uh, a son of a bitch. Um, and I've only done it five more days than this dude when he was shipwrecked on at sea. So you can imagine what this guy is going through. But the point being is... I'm trying to use my other side of my brain so that I don't... Because I always forget, like, the next morning I wake up, I'll, 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 I'll start doing my French lessons. 
I'll kick out another day. I'm like, I can't let myself down. I got to do this. I got to push it another day. But what it's doing is it's distracting my dumb ass from the journey of the day ahead, which is fine. Um, oh. But um, the point being is uh, run the day before it runs you, but at the same time, you can definitely distract yourself with beneficial things. Like, there's many distractions we have in life, I know. You know, there's lots of uh, drinks and, uh, you know, stuff to smoke and stuff like that, distract yourself, but um, but you can, um, if you don't want to go down that road, you can just simply trick your mind into some bullshit, like these French lessons. And if I can go 138 days at sea, man, anybody can. So hit it hard. It's Tuesday. It's almost Friday. So, all right. Hit that subscribe button if you like what you heard. And I will talk to y'all on the flip side. Adios. Oh, 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 okay. Hold on. Before I go, uh, I just wanted to give a shout out to a couple people, though, because... Um, all the big time explorers and these, you know, guys that drum up, you know, press and have actual press agents and, you know, a whole staff and a, you know, a, uh, assistant, personal assistants, this, that, and the other, like that to me is again, it's a little too clean and sterile and it's cool and okay, you did the thing, but okay, I want to shout out to I want to give a shout out to guys like um, uh, Gavin Hennigan. Uh, this dude, uh, not a lot of people know this guy. And uh, I heard him on an adventure podcast where he had solo, he rode a 20 foot boat solo across the Atlantic Ocean, 5,000 kilometers in a race. And he, there weren't too many solo, I mean, there might have been one or two other solos, but there was a couple of boats, they were teams. And he had beat most of the teams except for one. I think he finished third overall. So, like, not only, I mean, this guy doing it by himself is just unfucking believable. Uh, 5,000 kilometers, that's 3,100 miles. He left the Canary Islands um, towards the end of 2016 and ended up in Antigua the beginning of 2017. It took him 49 days with little to no fanfare no big press release before during or after i mean you, you got to seek this kind of stuff out if you want to know about it this guy's a badass i mean he's a um and he's just one of these guys he 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 worked as an underwater uh what was he what was his deal he did um Uh, he oh that's right he was uh, he worked in the North Sea okay he's Irish first of all again why are all these uh, what is it about the UK and it's heritage of great explorers like Shackleton and Rothschild and, uh, I would put this guy he's, this guy isn't an explorer but I would say um, just for the mere uh, over the top just 
mind-blowing physical endurance achievements um that has to that well that has to stand as as I mean, 30 100 miles in a 20-foot rowboat 49 days at sea 49 you're at sea over a month and a half by yourself in a rowboat um but anyway yeah he worked for uh, i don't know if he still does but for like 10 years he was um he did uh, heavy construction, like he was a, uh, a welder on oil rigs. So he would live on the oil rig, just complete in complete isolation, um, down below sea level as well, uh, to keep acclimated for his diving and so forth. But, you know, he's kicking it down there. And then he, you know, to, to break up the monotony of the situation, they work him like, I don't know, every other month or every other two months or something like that so in between he'd be gone for a month or two and he'd go do this shit like rowing across the Atlantic or did he did the Iditarod um uh but you go to this guy's Instagram it's like 200 likes or something I don't know uh, you know there's little to no sensational is you know, grandstanding for some of these guys. I want to sh- another shout out to Ash Dykes, Ashley Dykes, a Welshman. Yes, another guy from the UK who did um, two of the uh, two official world first records. So trekking one was trekking across Mongolia, unassisted, and the other. Uh, was uh, old Madagascar before he was 25 and this guy just did it he just did it I mean he um, you know he got the proper gear he you know built this cart and then he um, oh yeah and he also followed the length of the Yangtze River which is like thousands of miles from its source up in the Himalayas so he left the you know he left some village uh, and somewhere near Tibet or the Himalayas and set out with two other uh, I don't know just people just going you know along with him and but I think one might have been a guide or something but one of them got altitude sickness so and then something happened I don't know what happened. the other one just gave up I don't remember but you know He's up in, you know, the Himalayas, and and he's so he's starting at the source. So there's like wolves up there. So he's probably so according to him, he was being tracked by wolves. So here we go. Okay, you're in a tent. Okay, again, you're in a tent, and you're seeing these silhouettes outside. I mean, just balls, man. So, but he had the proper gear. I think he had a satellite phone. Um, uh, he had enough gear, but he, uh, what was it? Well, going across Mongolia, I mean, you might not see another human for days. So you're by yourself and you have to, you know, he, he, he did it right. He had all his checkpoints in place to get water and stuff, but he, you know, there's times where he was, um, you know, it got a little sketchy, but again, no fanfare. Um, I think he was on Rogan. 
matter of fact, I know he was on Rogan. Um, but other than that, I mean, I, you know, again, you go to his Instagram, there's probably like 900 to 1,000 likes or so, uh, depending on the situation. But And he seems to have capitalized a little bit on it. I mean, but... It, He's, you know, he's he wrote he wrote a book which is well deserved, and uh, he's made some money off it. But at the same time, this guy just was like, I think he was teaching, uh, or he's a lifeguard, or he was teaching scuba diving. Maybe that's what it was. He was teaching scuba diving uh, to finance this this uh, these explorations. I mean, he wasn't part. It wasn't some. Uh, promotion it wasn't any kind of like um you know popularity grab or something you know to self-aggrandize myself so i just wanted to give a shout out to those guys too there's they're the modern day explorers um you know they, they come in all lengths and sizes don't they um i mean Guys like Ed Stafford, a dude walked the length of the Amazon. I mean, that's 4,000 miles in a jungle with snakes, pythons, fucking gnarly-ass spiders, uh, shit just floating around, crocodiles, you know, searching you out. Um, just wanting to, you know, stuff in there that wants a piece of you. Um... Not to mention just the, the, the gut biome that you're going to have to <laughs> deal with. Like, I mean, you're in the fucking Amazon, man. And there's the indigenous, the local indigenous tribes that want to kill you because they they've never seen a white man. Uh, again, just piranhas, uh, cougar, not cougar, uh, pumas, panthers, shit like that. The jungle is there to kill you. You know, he's riding along, you know, just got his little tent. He's wading through just fucking jungle water. Snakes going by him. Electric eel. Electric eel's just going by. And these people just fucking have just gargantuan balls, man. Um, this that, that took him two years, though. I mean, it'd be like climbing through, like, uh, it'd be like, It'd be like climbing through like uh, a series of like flooded eucalyptus trees uh, in a lake, um, you know, for two years uh, and not getting killed by tribal chiefs, locals, loggers who think you're trying to, uh, you know, steal their claim. Uh, I mean, shit like that goes down. And but... uh, Two years he did this. Two straight years. Just fucking... You think you get all kind of fucking gross when you don't shower for a day? Try a couple years in a jungle. Snakes, spiders, bugs, mosquitoes the size of hummingbirds. Fucking just... Anyway, that's the podcast. I'll talk at you later. Arrivederci, babies.